The Porsche Podcast. Welcome to the first English episode of the Porsche Podcast. My name is Sebastian Rudolph, and I'm Vice President Communications, Sustainability and Politics at Porsche. With this audio magazine, we want to share an insight into the world of Porsche and deal with some exciting issues. We've set up our podcast studio today in the Porsche Museum in Stuttgart-Suffenhausen, and our view goes out to the Porsche Platz and the Porsche statue, which features three white 911 rising into the sky. Today we're talking about brands. Some we even take for granted in our use of language. For instance, if you search for something in the internet, you Google. And the top model of a product range is often described as the Porsche of its class. How does this happen? To get to the bottom line of the art of branding, I have invited two real experts. Both are on the world stage with their brands and as individuals. Maria Sharapova, the entrepreneur and exceptional tennis player, and Detlef von Platen, member of the executive board at Porsche. Before we get started, let us introduce the two of them. Maria Sharapova is one of the world's most famous tennis stars. At the age of 17, she plays Serena Williams in the Wimbledon final and wins. A picture book career follows. For a whole 21 weeks, the Russian-born tennis player sits at the top of the world rankings. She wins five Grand Slam titles and completes the career Grand Slam. As brand ambassador, she has been shaping Porsche's commitment to women's tennis since 2013. She wins the Porsche Tennis Grand Prix three times in a row. And Sharapova is also successful off the court, investing in promising startups and launching her own company. Sugarpova is the name of the candy brand with which she is fulfilling a dream. In February 2020, the exceptionally talented tennis player ends her active career. Today, the 33-year-old lives in California, where she still likes to pick up a racket in her free time. Detlef von Platen is born in France to German parents and grows up near Paris. At just 24 years of age, he takes over the marketing management of the motorcycle division at BMW France. In 1997, the business economist begins working with the Porsche brand for the first time as brand director at a French vehicle importer. A few years later, he assumes the management of Porsche France SA in Paris, while in 2008, von Platen becomes CEO of Porsche Cars North America. In the middle of the financial crisis, the strategist succeeds in stabilizing one of the most important markets for Porsche. Since 2015, the Keen Runners office has been located in Stuttgart-Suffenhausen. As the member of the executive board sales and marketing, he pursues clear goals – electric mobility, individualization and new forms of sales. Communication plays a particularly important role in this. Language, says the 56-year-old, is a door to culture. Detlef and I are in the studio today, while Maria joins us via video call from Los Angeles. Hi, Maria. Hi, Detlef. Hi, Sebastian. Hello, both. Maria, you have been a brand ambassador of Porsche for many years. Please tell us, what does the brand mean for you? Well, that's a strong question to begin with. Um, Porsche is a brand that I connect with on so many levels. Porsche is about precision, about quality, about performance, about elegance 
all the things that I wanted to stand for in my professional career, but also um, the gentle, the kinder, the smaller things that I wanted to stand um, for as a human being and as a person. So I think our world collided on a professional level as I played the Porsche Grand Prix in Stuttgart for many years, but also on a personal and familiar level with the brand, with the people behind it. Um, so it's wonderful to be a part of this podcast and thank you for having me on. Sure. And pass the ball over to Detlef. What does Porsche mean to you? Actually, I really like the answer of Maria. She nailed it. Maybe to complete a little bit, Porsche is a, a very unique, very aspirational and very authentic brand. And it carries, I would say, three dimensions. First, it carries the spirit of the company. It's a spirit of passion, the spirit of pioneership and the spirit of family, what we call also family culture. It carries the personality of all our products. And think about performance, productivity, pure design, quality excellence. And Porsche carries also the attitudes of our customers, life attitude, you know, about emotion, about passion, about sharing these passions. You know, when I was a child, I had two passions. I was passionate about flying, and I looked <coughs> at all the planes in the sky, and I was passionate about sports cars, and I was very lucky to get in contact very, very early with the first 9-11. I remember it was a magic day. So impressed about the clutch, the instruments, so large in this car. So I got very fortunate to keep this hobby for flying, so I made myself a pilot. And on the other side, keeping this passion about sports car with a chance to work for Porsche. And this is basically my job today and my task, my responsibility, to make sure that this very emotional, this very special brand still remains emotional in the future with all the changes we see in the world and also stays relevant. So that's Porsche for me. Two strong answers at the beginning. I know. I, don't, I, th I think your answer was better than mine. I think I'll give you that one. I don't believe it. <laughs> one zero. <laughs> <laughs> to give you the chance to compete, Maria, talking about sportiveness, talking about performance and, and also family culture, that's maybe the glue for a very powerful brand, but maybe also a glue for being successful, you said, on the court and off the court. Maybe start on the court. Detlef told us a magic moment. Can you share a magic moment of your career where you said, wow, that was really magic and makes me a greater person, personality? Hmm. Well, I was very fortunate that I found my true passion from a very young age. I have many younger friends that are, you know, out of school and out of university that are trying to figure out. And although they've studied many things, they're still trying to find their right path, their right future, making the right decisions. And I found myself to be in a very fortunate spot where I I loved what I was doing from a very young age. I loved waking up in the morning and becoming a better tennis player. And I didn't exactly know what success was, but I love being regimented and having rituals every day you know, adding one day to another, it was like mathematics. And I realized that the more I did something, the better that I become. And that was, it, it might seem boring in hindsight, but that was really the work ethic that I enjoyed because you see, especially when you're young, you see little improvements and you see 
what a difference those improvements make in an overall career, right? So you put together five good days and you will see, you know, maybe you pull through a match on a difficult day when you're not playing your best, or maybe you have, you know, some physical ailments and you feel like you can get through practice, but you do, you know, this memory comes back to you when you're down, you know, one five in the third set and you have to pull it out. So I loved, I had this passion of becoming the best of becoming a champion. To be honest, I didn't frame what that looked like, but I knew that if I held a trophy over my head, that that could be a good feeling. And so I carried that throughout many years, but I I really enjoyed and loved the smaller moments, you know, the moments of training, the moments with my father on the court where, you know, we'd sit down and we'd enjoy a water break where we talk about where we came from, how we got there, you know, those moments when we speak about a professional career, they kind of go unnoticed because thousands of people in a big moment don't realize them. They don't see them. They don't have access to them. But those are those are those cherished moments that I always think of. To appreciate achievements and also to love the small moments, like you said, how does this experience forge your life? Because now you're stepping into the business world. I mean, tennis is part of the business as well, don't get me wrong, but as a second career, talking about sugar, poverty, and lots more, how does this give you a strong push into the future? Well, there are many commonalities with sport and business. And when you're young, you don't realize those things. And, you know, you're just hitting a yellow ball with the racket and strings and you do it every day. But when you get a little older and you get a little smarter, you realize that tennis is not just a sport and being an athlete means a little bit more and that there's there's people involved, there's money involved, there's brands involved, there's opportunities involved. And it's always about choosing the right moments to say yes to, you know, that ultimately make it a successful partnership or or make it just intuitively um, the right thing to do. So, you know, over the course of my career, I've been a part of some incredible partnerships from the smallest companies to the largest ones. And what I loved about those experiences was that I was always a learning sponge. So I would extract all these little pieces of information at every meeting that I would be at because I realized that by being a professional tennis player and dedicating you know, eight to 10 hours of the day to my sport, I wasn't very smart at all these other categories. And so when I would work with brands and I would work with people that were much smarter than I, I would try to extract their brains and incorporate it into business. And I think With that experience, little by little, um, I became more intuitive. I started making better decisions. And, and I also just became more aware of what business was important to me. Maria talked about dedication and that tennis is not only a sport. Mm. You have to have passion. I assume that working for Porsche is not just about selling cars. It's lots more. So we created a new vision, the brand for those who follow their dreams. Mm -hmm. What does this mean? You know, brand has always been very important. And I think we are not selling any car. We are selling an experience. We are selling a promise. We are selling or delivering a promise. Of course, you had these values about performance, agility, design, and people were keen on this. And still, the brand remains the most important purchase reason today. Of course, it starts very often with a child story. I saw a car on the street, and this was my dream, and I wanted to own it uh, one day. But people 
have a strong confidence in brands and it will become even more important in this world of digitalization of tons of information you need a northern pole you need a brand who brings confidence and tells you something we have seen in the recent years especially we're talking about younger generations that there's also a change of perspective. Before, you could say, I wanted to see how I see myself looking in the mirror. So we talked about status symbol. I want this car because it represents something for me and it gives me this image. This has strongly shifted with younger generation uh, where we see that people look for a purpose. They are more interested to know about a brand purpose. Why is Porsche doing this? or what is Porsche doing to make the world a little bit different. And therefore, we decided also in our brand communication, brand positioning, to bring a little bit more than just values about design and so on, and performance, but to add this, which I believe is very strong embedded in the Porsche culture. What is the Porsche purpose? Why is Porsche here? And I think it started with a dream, actually, from the founder. He said... I was looking around and looked for the car I was dreaming of. I didn't find it, so I decided to do it myself. And this attitude is something we like very much, which fits Porsche, fits our values. And I think we're not just talking about dreaming of owning a car. What we mean is we are the brand for those who follow their dreams, whatever the dream is. And this attitude to achieve something special because you have a dream and to make this thing different in the world is what we are striving for. Attitude to achieve something you're dreaming for is a good keyword for Porsche Tennis Grand Prix. Maria, you mentioned it. So you, you start at a tournament and try to win it, right? Round by round. And at the end, at the Porsche Tennis Grand Prix, you, as an add-on, get a Porsche as a gift. And I perceive that it's not only the money you get, it's a real Porsche. So what is the beauty of the brand for you? I will answer your question, but I'll start with the story of how I won my first Porsche. And I remember when it arrived in California and I took it for my first drive. And I remember I parked it and I, I went to buy something at the supermarket and I was on my own and I parked the car and I got out and there was a father and a probably a girl aged around maybe in her younger 20s. And I remember I get out of the car and she looks at her father and says, wow, she must have a really rich father. <laughs> and I just remember thinking to myself, no, actually, um, I won this car. And, you know, it took everything not to say this because it was such a those are the moments where you think, you know, yes, this car has incredible value and it's expensive and it's detailed and it's beautiful. But behind this vehicle is this memory of achievement, right, of hard work and work ethic and teammates. And, you know, I right away thought of driving the car down the ramp and holding the trophy and, you know, doing photographs in front of the car. And that moment, I just remember at the supermarket being very proud of, of that achievement. And, you know, it comes in those moments. Like, you have to wait for those moments to really realize um, your accomplishments. But now I forgot your question. So you'd have to repeat your question. <laughs> Let me jump in because it's so interesting what she is saying. You, you know that we are looking for new target groups and for new customers. And we are very keen 
for younger target groups. And we're also very keen to get women behind the wheel of our cars. And we made a study, and this was exactly the point. We did ask a lot of women, why wouldn't you consider a Porsche? And many said, oh, you know, this car is beautiful, I'd love to drive it. And so we said, why don't you do it? Is the car too fast or is it too complicated to drive or do you need uh, more space or whatever? And uh, no, absolutely fine. We love speed. <laughs> we love to drive it ourselves. The only problem we have is, one, one lady was saying this, I believe that if I drive this car, people will think that my husband bought it for me. And this is what I don't like. I don't like this cliche. And we said to her, why does it matter for you? Just do it. And she said, you're right. Yeah. And she did it. And so yes, I, I, I like your right. answer. Yeah. Actually, that left stole my question because that's exactly what I wanted to ask you. Okay. Because Porsche is targeted, but your answer was good though, so <laughs> everything's <laughs> fine. Um, Porsche is targeting driven female. Yeah. So my question, Maria, was winning a tennis tournament is a great victory and a magic moment. But at the Porsche Tennis Grand Prix, you get as an add-on a Porsche. And my perception was that this is a magic moment too. So two magic moments. Please tell us something about your victory and what does getting a Porsche mean? You know, sometimes it's hard to picture what, like when you arrive at a tournament and You know, one of the first things, knowing that a winner, the champion, gets a car, but sometimes you don't know which car it is. So when you arrive at the Porsche Grand Prix and you have your first practice on site, the unveiling of the car um, is on center court. So they usually, you know, place the car in a, in a corner of the court and it's displayed there throughout the entire week of the tournament. Now, this doesn't make the pressure any easier because every time you go on the court or you're serving for a match, <laughs> on the corner there's this car and you know that... Not only are you serving to be the champion of this match, or maybe it's a semifinal or a first round, but you also have a chance to get through and to win this car. It's an absolute privilege to have this opportunity. It's a bonus, right? Because winning a championship, celebrating a victory, um, you know, there, there's never an easy road to a championship. And I have experienced so many different ways of arriving to a final match. Sometimes it begins with no confidence, where you feel like you're not ready You find form throughout the tournament, and then in the end, just everything flows. Sometimes you find a challenging opponent, and you have to bring out the best out of your game from the beginning, and then you just have to keep that momentum until the end. And sometimes you arrive overly confident, and you end up being out in the first round. This, this also happens. So you have to navigate this week, and you have to you know, make sure that your expectations are real, um, you know, I came from a fairly humble background where I knew that you have many successes or you might have a great week, but next week the players are already training, are already getting better, and you have to, you know, you have to prove that you can be consistent and do it again over and over. So the memory of a championship is very special because you immediately think of of the work that you put in. I always think of the challenges that I go through. I think of, you know, the team that's sitting next to me, supporting me, you know, the days that were difficult. They were the people that, you know, lift you up, that make you better. And then, hey, you get to drive down a ramp with, <laughs> well, the first time I drove down the ramp, I had the brake on, which was a very embarrassing story because as I was driving, there was this sound and a screech, but I was so excited and so nervous, I didn't hear it. And only later did I find out that I actually didn't um, remove the brake. 
this was my way into the, the Porsche family. But um, I laughed it off, and here we are. <laughs> so, and you fulfilled two dreams, winning a tournament and getting a Porsche that was standing at the corner waiting for the winner. Before we continue, we listen to some more facts and figures of the Porsche brand. Porsche is demonstrating resilience in the face of the coronavirus crisis. In the first three quarters of 2020, the brand delivered around 191,500 vehicles to customers worldwide, a reduction of 5% compared to the previous year. China, Porsche's largest single market, has recovered quickly after the crisis. In terms of models, the Cayenne continued to lead demand. The iconic Porsche 911 was also especially popular, with deliveries of 25,400 units. Around 11,000 customers worldwide got the keys to the all-electric Taycan between January and September 2020. For Porsche, women have always been an important target group. Nevertheless, as part of the new strategy 2030, the sports car brand wants to address them with an even stronger focus in the future. At 46%, China is the highest overall proportion of female customers. But in Europe, markets too, the proportion of female customers is high. In Russia, 41% of Macan customers are women. And globally, the Macan is the most appealing model to female buyers. The Taycan is very popular with women too. New equipment options, such as leather-free interiors, have played a role in this. Porsche is among the best-known and most reputable brands in the world. In the brand value ranking of the brand consultancy Interbrand, Porsche has increased its value constantly over the last 10 years. In its evaluation, Interbrand takes into account both the profitability of a company and the role of the brand in the purchasing decision, as well as the strength of the brand. Apple has been in first place for several years. Detlef, Porsche climbed up and belongs now to the most valuable brands of the world. And we talked a lot about sports and to learn from others. What can Porsche learn from brands like Apple, Google or Amazon? I mean, we are very proud about this very strong brand, global presence, desirable everywhere, but it's never a given. It takes years and years in a very small pass to build a brand and it takes very quick maybe to destroy it. So we are very, very careful about this brand. This is the main biggest asset we have. And of course, we are also looking, making sure that this brand keeps its desirability and we look around. And uh, yeah, Apple is certainly one of the most valuable brands in the world. And last week I had the chance to talk to Phil Scheller, a guy I know for many, many years uh, from my time in, in the United States. Phil Scheller is the CMO, marketing chief uh, of Apple, started uh, working for Apple at the very beginning with Steve Jobs. I respect him a lot. He has a good sense of branding. And I asked him, so how do you define your recipe? How do you do this? And he said very clearly, listen, For us, it's very important that we focus on customer experience. And customer experience needs to be simple. Not complex, just simple, intuitive. That's a very important point. Second point is we need to focus. And this is something which is very strong in our company. We cannot be everywhere. And we do not want to be everywhere. We focus on 
very few things, but when we do this, we do it perfectly. Customer centricity is very important, not only trying to understand the customer and his wishes and how he's changing, but also making sure that we create some excitement. And that's the reason why when they're launching products, you have this crazy excitement of people waiting there, uh, going to the shop, uh, sleeping there, uh, and making sure that they are the first to open it. So what impressed me when I talked to Phil was the simplicity of his words. Not something complicated in explanation. Make the brand simple, make it intuitive, close to the customer, and create excitement around this. Detlef talked about the recipe of success, of branding. Maria, in February, you were a guest shark on the US TV show Shark Tank. So startups present their ideas to investors. And how do you decide if a business has potential? I think it comes down to a few important details. I really, truly believe in, in the people behind companies and the founders. I sometimes think that is more important than the idea itself. And that's an experience that I take from my previous job career. It's still, still pretty uh, strange to say that. But I always relied on team that I would be comfortable with when I'm losing and when I'm not doing well, because those are the people that ultimately make you a champion, because I think it's really easy to, uh, to win with anyone. You know, anyone can celebrate well and open a bottle of champagne, but it's the people that you're comfortable with during some of the toughest moments, because you You understand their character, you understand how they're able to turn things around. And in business, I think that is such an important quality to be able to pivot when things are not working well. I'm very interested in companies. You said the Shark Tank experience. I invested in a, a fitness accessories uh, company that started with a married couple, a woman and, and a guy who just had this idea of designing the coolest new fitness accessories. And since then, they're a multi-million dollar business. And not just because of the concept and because aesthetically it was very pleasing, but because of these two people. Like every single week, I mean, I have a call with them and they are so, as Deadlift just said, focused. Like when we think of focus and not going in so many different directions, you know, that they've done well with one product and they consistently drive this product and maybe grow it into different markets, but not think of I'm going right here, left here. Um, maybe, you know, in this market, they want a different product, just being so focus driven on what they're working on. So I was really attracted to that, you know, innovation being different. Um, I guess that's the spirit of entrepreneurship. That's, you know, back to the story of the founder of, of Porsche. He wanted a car that he just couldn't find. And the spirit of, well, why can't I just make something that I don't see on the marketplace? Why can't I be innovative? And I, and I think that in today's societies, we We are given and provided tools that maybe we haven't seen for many years. And so it makes it easier, but it also makes it more competitive because so many more people have access to very similar things. Um, so I guess those are the qualities. And, you know, I, I see like persistence is very important because so many entrepreneurs have this feeling of, you know, I've done well for a couple of years and I made one mistake or now it's not doing well and they think that they're done. But this is the life of, this is the, you know, it takes years to build something. You go through ups and downs and so many people are impatient. They're impatient with their ideas. They're impatient with their investments. You know, they want a return in investment so quickly. I'm not entirely sure that that's the right spirit to have if you're in a business-oriented entrepreneurship mindset. So it's all about focus. It's 
all about pioneering spirit and keep on going. Yeah, taking risks on the court, hitting the forehand as a winner long line or cross court and uh, also in business. And some errors in between. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So nobody is perfect, but at the end, you have to make the final shot successfully. Maria, you said you climbed the highest mountains and you saw very deep valleys. So what is this uh, literally for um, shaping a brand or shaping a startup to becoming successful? I think that starts with perspective. I think it starts very much at the beginning when you are a you know, a young brand and you're very, you know, I, I think you're somewhat green, you know, you think you know everything, but you really don't. I actually think that's the most fun time to be in, even because you're, you're given the chance to make mistakes. I think when you're a brand that is at a high level and as of, you know, so many people know you all around the world, it is then when you make tweaks, they're much more noticeable. But when you're young, that's the time to be, you know, you explore the market, you explore your consumer, you explore distribution, you can really understand what works and what doesn't. It's really, it's, it's your own playground. And that's, in the first few years is when you should be able to make mistakes. You can make mistakes, but so many people are afraid to. When I do many interviews, people ask me, well, what do you regret from your childhood? What could you have done differently? And I say, you know, all the things that I did imperfectly were actually the moments where I felt like they shaped me, they shaped my future, they shaped some of the decisions I made later. When you go through low moments in, in your career, whether it's business or whether you're an athlete, the way that you handle them um, from a very early age sets you up for how you handle them later down the line. And it can be a completely different experience. But I think the characteristics that you build during those times really shape your future and the decisions that you make later. Which is an inspiring mindset, by the way. Detlef, uh, talking about the valuation of a brand, Apple, Porsche, top of the top, how much pioneering spirit, how much startup culture is digestible or is needed? So what is the right path to go for a brand like Porsche? Well, you're talking about valuation of a brand. And valuation is a very complicated thing. But I think at the end, what counts is how do you answer the question, What is the inspiration of this brand? What is this brand able to do in the future, to change the future and to grow? It's about the potential behind the brand. Not only what it has done in the past, but also how good this brand will be in its adaptation to the change of the world, to inspire people, to give confidence, to be the North Pole. And that's the reason why it's so important that we're not staying on all our successes to say Porsche has been very successful in the last 70 years, but to make sure that we always restart the process and what can we do better in the future. To do this, personally, I would say you need three things. First, you need to be honest. Honest by recognizing when you get weaknesses and where you don't have all the strengths you need to be competitive or attractive or desirable. Be honest. That's very important. And second, I think you need to be bold. Have great vision. You want to transform the world. You, can, you see your role. You can make things happen. That's where the purpose comes, right? And then you need to be brave, courageous in making sure that your ideas can be executed. So honest, bold in the vision, not look too far, the impossible is far away, and 
be bold and brave in the execution. And this means very often taking risks. This is why I like personally to get in contact with startups, because you have this attitude. You find it very often with young people. We shouldn't forget it and we should never lose it, even if we take some age. And this is good for us to stay with these guys in contact, because first they are very curious, they look around, and they're ready to think different. That's so important. Think differently. I mean, just think out of the box. And then they dare to do it. They're not saying, oh, it won't work because of this reason. No, they're saying it might work because of this. And this entrepreneurship, I think, is something we need. This pioneer spirit is something we have at Porsche, even if we are an old, 70-year-old company, but still young. And we need to make sure that we don't lose this, this spirit. And I think working now for Porsche for the last 22 years, I see many, many people with this going home in the night, in the evenings, asking themselves, what have they changed to make Porsche better or successful without being afraid to lose? And this is also something I admire when I look at athletes like uh, Maria. You can fail or lose, but you never give up. In order to be different, you have to take those chances. You have to be fearless. And the sense of wanting to stand out and being different than the rest of the pack, I think there's something very brilliant there, but you have to take those chances. You can't just keep doing everything the same every single day. As, as Detlef said, you, you do want to go to sleep and think, what are the small little measures that I made in order to be unique, in order to be different? And being fearless is one of the best qualities that you can have as an athlete, you know, because it's almost like it's giving up being smart, you know, because if you were smart, you would just do things that you're familiar with every single day that you're comfortable with. So you almost have to be a little stupid to be brave to take those chances. <laughs> Now I want to play a little game with you, Maria, and you, Detlef. Both of you have a special connection to Porsche, as this podcast shows, and we want to know how deep that bond goes. I would like you to listen to two engine sounds. They come from different decades and are, in a way, symbolic of the zeitgeist with which the brands change. So each of you knows one of the engine sounds very well. Let's see if you can guess the right models. We start with you, Maria, and I now play I'm a sound. I'm not sure this is a fair advantage here. <laughs> I'm speaking to two experts. I will let you win. <laughs> you have to be brave. Oh, no. Good luck. This Listen is a real to this song, I haven't please. had this much pressure since February. <laughs> Which is cool. So enjoy. If this is not a 9-11... I don't, that, that's it, I give up. Full points. Perfect <laughs> guess, Maria. <laughs> But this is not what my car sounded like when I went to get coffee this morning. Maria, is it water-cooled or air-cooled? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's it, I think I lose a couple of points. <laughs> Now that left you served a hammer hand forehand by Maria, right? <laughs> Let's see, Detlef, whether you know your engine sound. Please listen. Mm -hmm. 
sounds like a V8, but I'm not sure. Um, yeah, V8 is good, and the 9 is also in it, so it's a 928. But please tell us what this special edition of the 928 means to you. Um, I'm very ashamed now. I have this car in my garage, I drive it almost every week. Oh. Should I recognize it? <laughs> almost. I said it was a V8. Yeah. Beautiful car. This was a car launched in 77. was supposed to succeed to the 911, believe it or not. And became car of the year in this year. Very innovative in the design. If you see this car today, especially from the exterior design, you would believe it's a very modern car. Maybe too early in its time. Beautiful car, beautiful GT for long roads. I have a 928 GTS, so this is the reason why I didn't recognize the sound, maybe. No, beautiful car, but fortunately, it didn't succeed to the 911, which is still our icon today. So, thanks, Maria and Detlef, for the moment. So, I win. Uh, I just wanted to clarify. So, you win. It's 1-1, one, one, right? <laughs> you won. See? Now, we need a tie break, right? Now, it's your turn, listeners. So, every brand has its origin and the first successful product. And this car here has this special meaning for Porsche. Do you know to which model this sound belongs? Porsche AG is giving away a tennis racket by the brand head signed by Maria Sharapova. The competition will run from now until the release date of the next Porsche podcast episode. Simply send an email with your answer to our question to podcast at porsche.de. Porsche will choose a winner from all correct entries. Anyone aged 18 or older may take part. You can find the entry details in the Porsche newsroom at newsroom.porsche.com slash podcasts. Along with a few clues. Good luck. So good luck to everybody. Hope you recognize this sound. And uh, yeah, well, time flew by. We have almost reached the end of our podcast. We learn much about branding, the deeper sense and the sportiveness, the passion you need to move things forward. Or at the end of the day, say, okay, there is something valuable that I contributed. So now it's time for the conclusion, Maria and Detlef. Maria, maybe start with you. How can a brand stay successful even if we look at it 10 years from now? Um, my suggestion is to always be ready to reinvent yourself and but also have the, the idea that reinventing takes time. I mean, I feel like I'm in a similar position if I can make that comparison, when I did one thing for 28 years of my life. And when I think of the future, I immediately, you know, a sense inside of me wants to jump to the next thing and immediately create something new and exciting and successful and brilliant. But I always look back to my past and my past career, it took, you know, more than 10, 15 years to become successful. And even then I needed to continue with my success. So being patient is very important, but also reinvention and thinking focused, being present, being honest and real, all those qualities I'll, I'll carry over to the next chapter. Detlef, what about you? What's your recipe? 
Maria said it perfectly. I think you need to be able to reinvent yourself, staying true to your heritage, where you're coming from. And I would add to what Maria said by saying a brand needs to be authentic, also in the future. Authentic to your values, authentic to your beliefs, and making sure that a brand like Porsche stays a brand for people, where people share passions, where people come together, enjoy, and a brand who is also contributing a little bit to make this world better. So these wonderful conclusions of both of you mark the end of our first English Porsche podcast. Thank you, listeners, for following us into the world of brands. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you have any suggestions or feedback, please send them via email to podcast at porsche.de. I am looking forward to our next episode and hope you will join me again. Until then, stay safe and goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.